The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table. Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later, you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. I speak to you in the name of God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. For what is God grateful to you today? Let me ask that question again. For what is God grateful to you? today. We're so conditioned to ask ourselves the converse question, for what are we grateful to God today, that we often overlook the possibility that God might be grateful to us. Why wouldn't God be grateful when we choose to live our lives according to his teachings? when we live selflessly rather than selfishly, when we are generous both to people in need and to God's own church. Surely God is grateful when we choose to live as though we were citizens of the kingdom of God rather than citizens of the cities of earth. Surely there is gratitude and maybe even just a little bit of fatherly pride baked into the parable's repeated phrase, well done, good and faithful servants. I believe that we do serve a grateful God, but I also believe that there are certain base standards that God simply expects us to meet. This morning's reading from St. Luke's Gospel raises the question of what those minimum standards are. Jesus says, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, you should say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. 
There will be no seats at the table for doing your duty, Jesus says. There will be no rewards and no recognition. We will do what God expects us to do, and we will be satisfied by the knowledge that we have done it. My goodness, this passage rings hard on our ears. And principally so because it does not match up with the greater themes of equality and freedom and reconciliation that characterize every account of Jesus' life. God does not regard us as his slaves, but as his children. God does not endorse social hierarchies. He flattens them out. God does not give us what we deserve. God gives us more than we could ever begin to imagine or hope for. In truth, this morning's passage does not even match up with the greater themes of the chapter in which it is set. In the very next verse of Luke 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers, and Luke goes out of his way to tell us that one of them was a Gentile. Just one sentence later, Jesus touches people who should not be touched and heals people who should not be healed. How does that fit with the suggestion in today's teaching that God regards us nothing more than as slaves who should be satisfied with their lot? For me, the key to understanding this passage lies in understanding what Jesus means when he says that we should do what we ought to have done. The key to understanding this passage lies in identifying those minimum standards that God simply expects us to meet. The last thing that Jesus tells his disciples to do before he tells them to do what they were told is to forgive one another. Just two verses before the beginning of today's reading, that is just two verses before that fun mustard seed teaching that you all wish I was preaching on. Just two verses before that, Jesus says, if another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if that same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must still forgive. Seven times a day, every day, from now until we reach the kingdom of God, until we reach that place where there will no longer be any need for us to forgive. This teaching is reminiscent of a conversation between Jesus and Peter in St. Matthew's Gospel. St. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus says to Peter, not seven times, Peter, but I tell you 77 times. Or as it is translated in the venerable King James, 70 times, seven times. 
With hyperbolic words, Matthew and Luke each convey the same message. We must continue to forgive one another. Forgiveness is God's minimum standard. Forgiveness is the duty for which we will get no special recognition because we all stand in need of it ourselves. Slavery metaphors often appear in scripture alongside teachings about sin and forgiveness. In John's gospel, Jesus says, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And in Romans, Paul writes, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either slaves of sin, which leads to death, or slaves of obedience, which leads to righteousness. When viewed through the lens of our duty to forgive one another, Jesus' words in this morning's reading begin to look a little bit different. When you, have been, when you have forgiven everyone you have been asked to forgive, you should say, we are slaves to sin. We have done what we ought to have done for others and what we can only hope that they will do for us. Throughout the New Testament, the, Throughout the New Testament, forgiveness is given special standing among the responsibilities of faithful living. Consider the Lord's Prayer from Matthew's Sermon on the Mount and Luke's Sermon on the Plain. Forgiveness is the only part of the Lord's Prayer that demands something of us in addition to demanding something of God. Forgive us, we, forgive us our trespasses, we pray as we forgive those who trespass against us. To put that point in other words, the forgiveness of our sins is deeply and inexorably connected to the forgiveness that we extend to other people. In Luke 17, Luke once again sets forgiveness aside as the most important element of the Christian life. And Luke once again uses hyperbolic language to underscore his point. I believe that God is grateful to us when we turn the other cheek and go the extra mile and give our coat to someone who only asked for a shirt. But forgiveness has a different flavor to it. Forgiveness is what we ought to do and what we long to receive. We cannot live the Christian life without giving and receiving radical and repeated forgiveness. Time after time, day after day, from now until we are reunited with God in his perfect and peaceable and sinless kingdom. Sin is slavery, and forgiveness is the only pathway to freedom. So how often must we forgive? As often as it takes. 
We must forgive as often as it takes to get us from where we are to where God wants us to be. As often as it takes to get us out of the cities of the earth and in to the kingdom of God. Amen.